The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game, the show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by two fantastic co-hosts. Lauren Ash. And Shane Kelly. And this week we are talking about the latest game from, uh, from I would say, uh, short game royalty, Inkle. Inkle is one of our favorite developers of all time. If that name isn't familiar to you, uh, it should be, because they've made many of our favorite games. Was it last year's game of the year overboard or was that a year before that I, I, I lose track of time with everything uh two years back because immortality was, that's right yeah. geez okay 80 days what also a, was a tie if it wasn't it, it's yeah. in the it was in the top nine games of the nine years i got 80 days in there so yeah it, the, multiple time game of the year short game award winner inkle um and even going back to some of their stuff that, you know, came out before we started the show, but we've appreciated like the, um, oh, geez, what are the, what are their like magic game books? Sorcery. Things? Sorcery. Thank you. Uh, the Sorcery Games is multiple ones of those. Um, oh, and Heaven's Vault. Like I almost, I almost forgot to mention Heaven's Vault. What an incredible game. I think some of their Cause, games. Because we decided it was too long to win awards from us. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> it, it probably should have been our game of the year that year if we'd been more forgiving of its slightly It was disqualified length. along with something else. Yeah, I forget what it was. Um, Something else long that year. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Heaven's Vault, like sublime work of like game design and narrative and even just visually cool, like great work of genius. I I am nervous to to play Chance of Sinar this year because I like Heaven's Vault so much. (laughs) Oh, I know. Yeah, everything I've read about Chance of Sinar, it's like. Oh, this sounds a lot like Heaven's Vault, and I loved Heaven's Vault. Um, I just really want to play that. Laura, we still haven't made time for that. When are we going to make time to play Chance of Sonar together? When we have 12 hours and Justin wants to play too, <laughs> so now three adults have to coordinate their schedules. Is this right. um, is this a game actually multiplayer, or are we just No, like- it's a Tower of Babel uh, uh, themed uh, game that has decoding linguistics, and Justin wants to play oh with me, gosh. and Reagan wants to play with me, and so all three of us are going to, it's not multiplayer, but we're going to screen share and have a good time if yes. we can get Someday. the schedules working maybe during the holidays that's my hope but then again like the holidays are a lot tougher these days with i've got three kids and the holidays have turned from being a thing that i like look forward to like oh wow i wonder what i'm gonna get and turned into something where i'm like oh i have to do things for all of these small humans in my life and it's actually a lot yeah. of work so um, if listeners are like why do you keep talking about this game that you want to cover and not covering it that's why <laughs> But that's also sort of why we're 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 uh, chatting around talking about uh, this game, uh, which is called A Highland Song. Uh, this is a game from Inkle that seemed, at least at first, like a big departure from them. So, like when I first heard about this game, um, it has a, an art style that looked very Inkle to me. It looks beautiful, um, but it was pitched initially as like it's a little hard to tell from the initial marketing of this game what it actually was. The things that they were really leaning into in the marketing was the platforming and the music, the rhythm game a- a- angle to this. Um, I would argue that those are far less central to this game than things that are actually much more similar to other games that Inkle has made before. This is the most 80 days game they have made since 80 days, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um 
So in some ways, it's a little more conventional to Inkle's style and whole deal than I was expecting. I was expecting something a little bit less, you know, uh, less 80 days, given that it's like, yeah, it's a music platformer. And it's like, oh, that sounds interesting from a group of people that I've never expected a music platformer from. So that's the trailer. But the in practice, the game is um, you are Moira, um, who's never seen the sea and gets this letter from her uncle Hamish that says, come meet me before Beltane at the lighthouse. The lighthouse is very far away and you have to cross a bunch of peaks and also you don't have a map to get there. So you are traversing mountains in this kind of side scroller thing and trying to figure out how to keep crossing more and more mountains to eventually get to your destination, which is what makes it feels more akin to 80 days. And like you you have an in destination and you are trying to figure out your route and you are picking up stuff along the way that may or may not continue there. So it's got all the, the traversal mechanics of it, it is nothing like the experience of playing 80 days. 80 days is a bunch of reading and this yeah, is a, a bunch map, of mostly in yeah. a map. Yeah. And and this is much more side scrolling and like climbing uh, and hiking um, but it has the same structure, if that makes sense. Yeah. The the best analogy here is, I mean, Moira, as you know, is an anagram for Mario. Mm. <laughs> so, Shame. <laughs> you've blown my mind. Drawing parallels here between Moira and the titular plumber. And uh, so this is a game where you are I mean, certainly more so than any other Inkle game, uh, but the game's a, a, about speed and movement and rhythm in a way that those kinds of that the uh, their other games are not. And it has these fantastic moments of uh, racing down slopes accompanied by uh, rhythmic, fun Scottish folk music um, mm-hmm. that has these button presses. Uh, where you're kind of leaping over obstacles and things. And, um, you know, actually that element of it does uh, work pretty well for me. It's certainly a vibe. I love the, I love the Highlands and I loved the, uh, the music and ambiance and just the Scottishness of it all. I don't want to bury the lead here too much. I have to start by saying, I think that this game really fell flat for me. Like I, I've loved every other Inkle game I've ever played And this feels like the first really big miss from them, in my opinion. And there's a couple of reasons for that. And we'll get into this in in, in more detail as we talk about some of the the, the different aspects of the game. But like the the aspect Shane was talking about, the sort of whole whole vibes, the visuals of it, total success. It looks really beautiful. The animation is good. The central character, Moira, you know, 15-year-old Scottish teenager going on the world's biggest hike. Um vibes love it the music very good but this the structurally it has the sort of 80 days like i have a long journey to go on and many uh many potential routes through that journey and within those routes many different sort of kind of mini story nodes places with different stories occurring happening that you might stumble across in the same way that 80 days was a giant map of the world with an enormous number of routes you could take to make it across the world in 80 days and every city had its own little story and depending on the order and everything that you went through them 
you could encounter multiple different story threads that might be unconnected. They might kind of connect again later on or not. Um, you might make it to the end of your journey by the end of 80 days or not. Um, and that sort of structure is here. Um, but of course, replace all of the map, you know, choosing with this, this platforming mechanic. And where it initially started to fall down for me was the platforming mechanic. We can talk more about maybe the story stuff in a minute, but let's just talk specifically about the, the like physicality and like, what are you doing with the platforming and running and, and everything in this game? So the, the first thing that I, I kind of noticed about it, they do kind of start you off uh, running down and away from Moira's house uh, out through some fields. And I think kind of giving you that world one, one, uh, you know, Super Moira Brothers experience. <laughs> You're just going to keep making um, this joke, aren't you? <laughs> well, you laughed the first time, so it's really your fault. Um, so the, uh, but yeah, like, so the the platforming um, has a combination of just sort of run and jump. Uh, and for what it's worth, uh, it's on a kind of very painterly line of, of terrain that is mm -hmm. kind of uh, beautifully illustrated into the game. And, uh, you know, so you Here, here's the first place that I found a challenge is that it is so painterly that it was very often yeah. difficult to tell what surfaces would behave in what ways. What I can I climb agree. up, et cetera? I agree. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's that's kind of cool, like because you do have like this is a game where stumbling is kind of a part of it, you know, like stumbling and falling and all that. You've got a like a health meter. Um, and if you're going to do just like Mario perfect platforming, like what's the point of having like a health meter, you know, you're going to be, you're going to, you're going to take some tumbles. Moira is, is going to fall off of a cliff or two and get back up and keep running. Um, but yeah, it's, it's also, you, you have a lot of interactive elements like climbing and spelunking and all sorts of things, uh, that you can do in, in the terrain as well. So it's not really a pure platformer. I don't know if that describes yeah, it. I didn't much. jump that much. I mean, there's there's yeah. jumping in the um no when you hit the rhythm sections. <laughs> well, when you hit the rhythm sections, uh, you're usually on a straightaway or like you're going between areas, and it triggers like there's often a deer involved, and you you hit shift and you go into the sprint mode and and you go into the rhythm game. But outside of that, there's not a ton. I mean, towards the end of the game, when I had kind of gotten the the basics and mechanics i was jumping quite a lot in like my speed run of like i know mora is not as squishy as i've been treating her the whole game and she can get pretty low and just rest overnight and get back to full health so by the end when i was in a, a hurry mora was um you know stubbing her toe quite a lot but um i didn't jump that much a lot of it is you know hold up to climb hold down to climb down um it really depends on like how much you vibe with fake climbing this is also something i've heard in the reviews of the game just just the game mm -hmm. pass game of Which like we're looking forward to checking out yeah but like in anything like we talked about dredge like how much do you like the fishing mechanics this is like how much do you like the climbing and hiking mechanics for me i vibed with it um and y'all had negative I, I had a mid. very negative experience with yeah. the climbing mechanic first of all like to describe the climbing mechanic laura kind of described it you sort of you know you have a two-dimensional uh, you're on a long journey the the journey is made up of a sort of like parallax set of like 
flat rows of mountains, right? So you have a a mountain ridge that has its ups and downs, and you can see behind it additional mountain ridges receding off into the distance. And you're trying to explore this mount, each of the mountain ridges in order to find a way to kind of proceed on to the next one, because each of these mountain ridge silhouettes has a kind of a magical spot somewhere in it where you can hit the A button to move on. Um, sometimes those aren't very obvious. This was one of my frustrations. We'll talk about that. Um, but like, but I think the mountains aren't monolithic. I mean, the mountain are a bunch of different planes. So you're going of like up a little bit and then you might go to the right and then you might have to hop to the left and then you're on a different plane and like you're kind of moving around and up the mountains in a funny way. It's not like you're going just straight up a line. No, um, no, no. Um, yeah. And that traversal mechanic is at times confusing and at times very as I said, Phoebe, like at times you kind of get into it, but at, at yeah. times you're like, where am I? I don't know where I am on this mountain. <laughs> yeah. You, have, you, can, you can get very disoriented, especially if you die yeah. a lot like I did. And it will just like respawn you in places where you don't know where you are. Sometimes she'll just like wake up and be like, where am I? Um, but like, it has, so mechanically it's a little bit inspired by the Breath of the Wild style climbing mechanic. You have a kind of a, um, a stamina, not exactly a stamina meter, but she has a certain amount of stamina that will eventually run out if you're trying to climb something particularly strenuous unless you can stop and catch catch your breath similarly you can run for a while but eventually you'll stop and catch your breath and it has surprisingly complex mechanics for things like like obviously she has a health bar like shane mentioned but you have to find places where you feel safe to stop and sleep uh in order to recover health um, and for example, you can't recover health if you are out in the open and being rained on. So like you, you know, maybe resting beneath some trees would be fine if it's not raining, but on days where it is raining, then you have to find an enclosed place to, to stop and rest or else your maximum health is reduced. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of, a lot more like mechanics to this aspect of the game than I was expecting. Uh, that's not to say that's bad necessarily. I guess where this started really becoming the first area that started really deeply frustrating me about this game was that the the kind of like structure here is like, okay, every, every ridge is a kind of a silhouette and they're quite large, much larger than you can see, even if you use the zoom out feature to like zoom to see the entire thing. So you can't see the whole thing at once. And like Laura said, you have no map. We'll talk about the maps mechanic in this. You have no overall map of the Scottish Highlands. You have, uh, a, a, a growing collection of tiny fragmentary maps that have no way of orienting that you have to kind of match against the terrain uh, by eye, um, which is also interesting. But all, all that is to say that if you just sort of want to say like, okay, I've kind of figured out this, this ridge, I want to move on to the next one. Your first task is I want to have to find the specific spot where it's okay to move on to the next ridge. And first of all, it was pretty late in the game until I realized that some of those, maybe all of them have a little wooden spike in the ground. Mm. Oh, yep. Yep. That, that would be very irritating. I found that first Peak. I was so. probably halfway through the oh. game before I discovered that, oh, those those indicate a place where I can move on. So I, I couldn't, and they're very small, that, even when I could see, when I knew <laughs> what, what they what, were. You, Shane, did you say you missed that too? Yeah, I did not catch on uh, to that. That the, They so have a little... They're just little, they, they're they're tiny, and they're very easy to miss if you're looking on the zoomed out view. I okay. guess. 
But if you when you pass them, they always have the white dot. Yeah, on them. they would light up. They're, so this they I, lit I up, and then you would be able yeah. to walk over a room. There and are feet lots and of could... contextual controls in this game. Things that will appear when you're standing right there, yeah. and uh, you know, in some in some ways that is cool. Uh, like you know, you'll find some items. You know, you see a little light on the ground. It's like, hey, you found, you know, a part of a dead animal. Um, but in other places, like you don't know when it's going to be triggered, and that that really uh, extends to all of the climbing mechanics where you see mm-hmm. the option to to do those controls. So, um, to me, that part of the interface has a little bit of the issue that I typically have with uh, pixel hunting style. Um, things so so that you, you that can't is something see I anything until you're about. standing on it so like yeah. you might think well maybe that ridge over there is interesting but it's like quite difficult to figure out how to get over there because there's a big you know gorge in the way and like things like that it's a like i spent a long time in this game just like walking left to right right to left waiting for button prompts to appear on screen or hmm. retracing my steps trying to figure out where was that button prompt from earlier um, and also this is, this is a little bit of a, maybe a me thing, but like at first it was, this game doesn't do, do nearly any tutorializing. We usually praise that as a thing, but, um, there, it wasn't initially clear to me that I was even supposed to be hunting for going to the higher ridge or the lower ridge or what have you like that. It seemed to me was like, okay, part of the landscape of the game, but it, it wasn't clear to me like, Oh, that means I'm progressing that I'm going to the mm. higher ridge. Right. So I, I would get to a place where it says, okay, you can go on to the higher ridge. It's like, well, I don't know if I want to go on to the higher ridge. I'm trying to get on, I'm trying to get to the lighthouse and that's by the sea that's lower, right? Like where, where am I headed? Um, it wasn't always immediately clear to me, like, where I was supposed to be going. Mm. Um, and I know like that's kind of the point in a game that's all about exploration, but it was like, it was extremely unclear to me earlier in the game where I was supposed to be going. And I think I, I, I got quite annoyed with it. And by the time I kind of figured out, Oh, okay, I get it now. I'm supposed to be um, going towards like in or- going towards the lighthouse means continually finding these stakes in the ground and using those to progress on to the next Ridge. But all, but also under mysterious circumstances, sometimes you couldn't and you had to do things with maps that were also very obscure at times. Like, Well, I I think it's sounding like one of the things that I did that y'all may not have done as much as I, I would try to go up to the top. And because when you go to the top and you hit the top yes. of the peak, you get to map match and they get to zoom out and you get to use your maps and you get to find spots on all the on the mountain and always those spots are ways through <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. So I, and, I, I figured that out, but I, by very, so yeah. And Laura, I don't mean to interrupt you. Yeah. Like you, no, that, no, that I, I'm, I'm honestly please, trying to figure out where the disconnect it. is. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the other part of the disconnect for me was like, yes, I did figure that out eventually too, but very often I didn't have a map for the area that I was at. So that didn't help. Right. So mm-hmm. like I would have like three maps in my inventory. None of them would match up with and by the way the maps are actually a really clever bit about this that i quite like you know as you're progressing through the areas you know you'll find like an old boot inside it is a piece of rolled up paper the paper is a torn travel brochure about the scottish highlands that kind of thing and the new game plus is you you restart with all your maps ah that would make things so much easier do they stay pinned to their like like you know um, out they, they are, are you, have to you, you remember again? your the names of the peaks and you remember the maps so yes okay. you're 
Yes. I don't know if I, your spots are still marked, but you you know like this is the eagle's nest, right? That's okay. That's that's a that's great. And at least that, yeah. Um but like going through my one playthrough that was ended all too soon because of time. Um we like I I, I you know I, I I laboriously climb up to the top of the hill, right? Get up there and I would find nothing that would let me progress because none of my maps matched up to anything I could see, or if they did, they were matching up to a uh, a peak so far in the distance that it didn't have any bearing on my current situation, right? And so then, okay, I've got to go pour through this this you know single uh, ridge line again. I, even though I've already explored it, got to go do it again, and finally, you know, maybe find a place where I could progress through by pure happenstance, um, and that like sucked. I hated it. <laughs> I got really angry at this game. <laughs> That's fair. I think I generally I would be like, oh, I climbed up the left side of this thing. I will now go down the right side. Like basically I I actually have this is the first time that having no natural compass might have helped me. Maybe. Because I am used to being lost in video games. I get lost in every video game. Mm. I'm not kidding. Like I have no sense of direction in video games. So being lost and not exactly sure if I've been to a place before or going in a loop is like such familiar territory to me that I didn't, I was like, okay, like that was two minutes and I did a big loop moving on. Like it doesn't. So I'm not saying like, I'm, I might be exaggerating how bad I am at it, but I, I don't think I didn't backtrack much. But I was able to be like, I've been on the right, and we'll go left. And if I did a, if I ended up doing a little loop de loop, I just chalked it up to bad sense of direction. Yeah, I think what this all culminated in for me, and we'll talk about some of the other aspects of the game that I think were a little more successful for me uh, in a minute. But like, sorry to continue harping on it, but just no, to, I, to give it, you a bit of an example, what this all sort of culminated in for me was that. You know, I'd been playing this game for several nights. Um, I, I, you know, I, I have a limited amount of time to play games. So really what that totaled up to was maybe three and a half hours or something like that. Um, but I got to a point and Laura sounded like you kind of recognized this particular ridgeline or what have you, that where there is a, a large dam. Mm-hmm. And I had a map of that dam. I was like, perfect. I can get through here. The map has a picture of the dam and there's a hole through the dam. There's a tunnel. Mm-hmm. Got it. There's a, there's a tunnel through the dam and it was obvious that I needed to go to the other side of the dam and scramble down the like little ridge line to get to that tunnel because the tunnel was on this sort of like opposite bank of the ridge of the of the dam where there was a slope you know sort of a v right I'm on the right side of that v the the dam is in between there's a, a left side of the v right going down the other side so okay figure out how to get across over to the dam, get across the dam, and then try to scramble down the ridge. But that ridge was a death trap. You can't get down that ridge. But I couldn't, You because of the way that the thing is designed, you can't tell that you can't get down that ridge because the ridge is, it's too steep and it has places where you will fall off and die. And I, I died dozens of fall off of and die times. there. I, okay, I, I, I swear, like, I'm not ghost lighting you. I, okay. The, I just I just sailed down that ramp. I just like skied down it and into the I hole and was fine. Didn't. I expect because I'm I'm very confident that's impossible. I think you went up from the bottom. You I think you went down the right hand side, went through a tunnel, and then came up the other side underneath it, rather than coming down from above. Because coming down from above that tunnel was impossible. I could tell you after like 
an hour or more of trying I don't remember how language. I did it, Good. but it I, I just matter. remember I never, Good like, man. for me, I just, oh, I can't, I'll go across this dam, I'll climb up it, get the peak bonus, and then I'll go in the hole. Like, it was not it, a it looked memorable extremely, experience It looked extremely like, me. oh, right, of course, I'll do it that way, right? It looked, it, like, extremely looked like, Here's and I'm not gaslighting it. you. I'm just and telling you I that know, it I was know. so not memorable. Me getting <laughs> across the dam and into this hole was like a one, like maybe a 30 second experience. I know MLG Laura. <laughs> well, Reagan, she she found the feather power up. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, but I don't, I don't know if it was a patch. We were playing a beta version. I don't know if it was like I played it later than you, but that wasn't true. You played that after I beat the game, so that can't be right. So yeah. I, I don't know. And I once I finally got, once I finally figured out like what I was doing wrong, which was incredibly non-obvious. I had to be going through a tunnel, like a hidden tunnel that I didn't have a map for and didn't know was there, and had to approach it in a way that was. It was just the big circle, right? Right, the big circle. That was what I was trying to get to. Yeah. It was very obvious to get – that's where I needed to get to. It's just that trying to get to that, it looked like there was an obvious path to get to it, and the path kept killing me. And I was like, okay. I have to tell you, this is scintillating radio. Yes. Okay, Okay. but I I probably just were like, oh, that path is blocked, and I probably just like went around. Like, again, it's – I didn't try. Like, once once the game said this is not a path, I usually just was like, cool, go the long way. Yeah, I just – I. I, I could have sworn I was doing the right thing and it was wrong. And the right right thing was like completely obscure and hidden. And then w- th- what really got to me, what really got to me, and this is a bug. So fair enough. You probably won't hit this. Laura didn't hit this. Uh, and honestly, this wasn't a huge deal. But like after an hour or maybe more of beating my head against this one screen and every time I would die two or three times it would say okay you know you're one day closer to Beltane and it was the day after Beltane I'd wasted like a week on this bridge right like on this I was so pissed and I got to the little hole and I couldn't go like I walked up to it it had a button prompt to go in and like for whatever reason I walked like a little ways away from it and walked back and the button prompt was gone and I was like, I will kill you, game. And then I quit out of the game. I, I loaded back in and I was able to get into it. So that was a bug. But like, I swear to God, this game wanted me dead. It, 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 I, ooh. And so. For, for contrast, ugh. again, the person who liked the game, I died one time in the whole yeah. game. And that was because I was running too fast and I, I, I jumped off a cliff. I deserved the, to the die. The last time I died um, before I finished this, I was low on health. I started one of those running things. And and I swear to God, Moira stubbed her toe and died. And died. And Ladies I, and gentlemen I just of quit. the audience, uh, while Reagan is raging about this game, I feel it's very important for you to know that visually um, it's about a uh, little girl with a... <laughs> Uh, long backpack and a ponytail with backpack and a little yellow jumper uh, walking through paintings uh, and chasing deer through the grass. So <laughs> the, I know that's why I felt it's like just, I felt like well, I must well, be such a dummy. Scottish. That's why I felt place. like such a dummy when I was getting frustrated with this <laughs> whole whole thing. No, when it like doesn't hit, it doesn't. And and I will say one thing: um, if you're expecting us to have a very tight, like this is also in the like heaven's vault. You're like walking through a bazaar, and like suddenly you just get a story that has nothing to do with anything playing. Like the, it has that vibe. <laughs> Like yes, let's talk you're, about you're these going story through the, things. You're like when you're sailing through the Z or whatever they called it, the 
yeah, it would play random storylets. So it has that vibe where there's not like a tight story. Like Moro's just walking along and be like, one time my brother was in the hospital. <laughs> and Oh, you remember um, when my dad told me a story about Queen Lizard Woman, who was the strongest bear in the entire Scottish Highlands. I, I can hear that theater degree, my boy. Go off. <laughs> I love it. But like they are generally related to the things you just picked up or the mountain ridge you're on or like the 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 hill you're on has specific stories about it. So they're not but like I could see if you're not tracking that, which you only know if you've like gone up to the top of the peak and gotten the name of it. Like the stuff coheres. That's the other thing is like I had a really hard time with that. It did not cohere for me. So I'd like to hear more about how it did for you. A, a brief kind of like wh- where this where this went off the rails for me was like constantly the game is like giving you little bits of of uh, narration from your uncle who's just mm-hmm. told you like, hey, meet me at the lighthouse, uh, you know, cryptic letter. But you have this whole history of cryptic letters from your uncle. And so playing in your head, I suppose, are all these like stories that your uncle has told you or written to you over the years. And you're either remembering them or they're, you know, coming into your mind unbidden. Um, and and every usually time you do his wanna... stories usually come at night when you're sleeping. Mm, yeah, there's there's these things instead, though, where it's like a discovery. You're just like walking along randomly and you'll hear a little bit about the you know, the gnomes that lived under this hill. They baked the best bread in the Scottish Highlands. And it's like discovery. The best bread in the Scottish Highlands was baked by the gnomes under the hill of steel or something like that. And it's like a little achievement text that shows up at the top. And these things felt so like when I was. In a, I was not in the right headspace because I was frustrated with the game. And when when these things would pop up, I was like, who fucking cares about the gnomes, man? Like, this doesn't have anything to do with anything that's happened this to just me in, in this game. Reagan hates gnomes. Um, I love gnomes. I know. But, uh, um, I'm just teasing because uh, to, to break up the the, the rage, sorry, which is I know. totally justified. Um, normally that stuff, like, for example, there's I'd a, love to hear more about, like, I, I want to know how this is supposed to have worked, because for me, it felt like, it felt almost comical. Go ahead, please. Sorry, I, did, I didn't mean to be such a, a negative Nancy. Nah, nah. Uh, again, if you, so you're picking up things, and usually when we go to the top of the peak, you you were naming the peak, and you you know enough about the stuff that around that area. But often um, the lore are linked to the shortcuts or they're linked to the secrets you find on that hill. For example, like you start hearing a lot of tales about the castle um, and then you like go to the top of there's like of lion's teeth and like why it's called lion's teeth. And then you go find like a statue of a lion and you go up to the top and there's a ruin and there's Roman markers. Like there's, and you find a Roman coin elsewhere on that mountain. So like there are things that are like, it is implied like, ah, like if you think about it, like this whole thing was a Roman settlement. So the story and the things you found and the settlements are all kind of linked, but it's very like you, you know, earlier in the game, for example, like, um, like Eagle's nest is a ski lodge. So you find like nicer things on that one. Like it's, they're, they're kind of, they're not as distinctive as like 80 days where they're cities around the world, but the, the, Tales are generally of this hill, mm-hmm. um, the one you're currently on. And when you go back up to the top or if you find the like the cave or you find the woman bird watching or like usually there's not every single one is a cohesive story, but more often um, like 
three or four of them did to the point that I was like, oh, if I had maybe spent more time on the other places or I'd found the right artifact, this one would have also popped in. So they weren't, it felt kind of like I was quickly passing through some of these places and the ones I spent more time in, I got the story of that mountain. That is an experience I would have loved to have had. That sounds so great. For me, it just never amounted to a whole story. I think you have to be like moving at a pace and yeah. looking at enough stuff and like collecting enough stuff to get that picture. Like it yeah. is it is a picture of fragments. And if you have three or four, you might not get it. You need like five or six or eight yeah. to make that story. It's it's honestly right at the start of the story. And I I saw an interview with the creator, one of the creators of this game. And um, he kind of conceptualized the game based on uh, like a personal experience of getting lost in the Scottish Highlands when he and his like friends were, I don't know, 16 or whatever. And one of them got their first car and they drove off and wanted to pretend to be Aragorn. Right. Hmm. Uh, and they got lost when over hill after hill that looked the same. So, um, but in this same interview, which I think, you know, it's a little, little freaky in this same interview, he's kind of talking about, um, the concept of the main character of Moira and she's like young, she's like a kid. And I think he was saying something about how the nice thing about that was you can do these fairy tales where you talk about the gnomes under the hill that Reagan seemed to like so much. And I made those up for, for to, um, to be clear, I, uh, I invented you do. <laughs> extraordinary <laughs> right. gnomes under the hill. Yes. That, that uh, but there are, it's like, it's all about like the, like there's a, there's some mythological elements in there, you know, giants, right. bridges and whatnot. And, but to me, like right at the start, you get this like little dialogue with the mom as you're sitting, you like climb out your window and run away. And from the very beginning, I was very effectively worried for this child. I was like, I, I I am, you've put me in charge, me in charge of helping this little girl navigate through this massive expanse of completely wilderness. Yeah. With nothing, (laughs) no, no food. And she went on a, a presumably multi-day journey where she brought I what a thing of cheese like nothing. She's got a tiny nothing. backpack. No, she brought the backpack to pick up all the trash she finds along the way. Um, so she's just living off bilberries. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I was immediately uh, terrified for this girl. You thought it was a survival game. I, I thought, <laughs> I thought I am, I am walking this uh child off into the mists to starve to death (laughs) did y'all run into the bird watcher woman yes i did yeah so this like you at some point in this game you run into a bird watcher woman who's like i should take you home and you're like nah man i'm cool and you just walk away i think that bird watcher woman if i were them i would have just been like no you're coming home with me or have have a bagel like (laughs) Yes, I would have stopped Moira. Yeah, I love that scene because she just sort of like wanders up to this woman who's clearly just like an out of towner here to like look at birds, and she's like, "Oi, slept in your cottage? Is this your crowbar? Bye." You know, (laughs) wandered on. The woman says, "You know, the man upstairs would have me take you home," and then you're like, "I don't believe in God." Bye. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, like I, I liked the character quite a lot. And I, I, I agree, Shane, like I was, but like 
for me, my concern for her evaporated as I realized, oh, I'm I'm killing this girl over and over this poor woman. Like <laughs> I just I just walked her off a hundred cliffs in this trying to figure out, you know what we haven't talked about yet. We, what we should is we should talk in more detail about the like the thing that's in all the trailers, which is the the music running. Yeah, mechanic. sure. So um, good. I liked that a lot. I, I liked the music a lot. The music, the music that they chose for this was lovely. I would have liked the 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 like actual mechanics. Of, like as a as a rhythm game, it's uh, pretty basic, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's extremely basic. Um, and because you're actually like, it doesn't want to like start you over. So if you fail, you just sort of like trip, and the song song stops, and then you kind of pick up where you left off. If you want to like run some more. And you can change um, the settings to have a no fail state for that. Yeah, that's true. And you can also change. There's a setting to change. There's there's just two buttons in the in the rhythm mode. There's like you know a jump button and a different jump button. Um, and you know you you there's an, even an option to change it so that it only ever uses one button, which might have been. I, I, you I could also turn off the weather. <laughs> Because this is the Highlands. I did that at one point. No, no, I just thought it was a funny option. Like, I completely understand doing it. Um, It's just a very funny option. At one point, I was getting so pissed off that it was, like, constantly raining on me. And, like, I knew exactly where I needed to go. But I had spent, like, more than an in-game day trying to figure out how to get up this hill that was mostly, like, slippery, right? And I was just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going into the options. I'm turning off the rain. I stay at an accessibility setting, so... I can yeah. everybody who wants to use them to make the game more fun. I am here for it. Yeah, totally. Even and if I, it doesn't what, make it more thing fun. I'm sorry, it, Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> one thing that like might be holding it back a little bit um, is this isn't this isn't video game music. Like this is folk music. And when you think mm-hmm. about music for rhythm games, obviously there's you know rock band and stuff like that. But um, I Scott, the, the, it, this music doesn't f- necessarily like lend itself to like um, tap a to to you know hit. The, it usually to the would be like the space is the bottom note of the chord, yeah. and the up button mm-hmm. is the is the it's either the so or the me depending on the song. Like like so when you were hitting them, they. F- but I'm beginning very music theory in it, but like they mm-hmm. felt you're, you're playing two notes of the song yeah. is what it felt like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it was, and that's an interesting thing. Like it's, it's kind of like, it just was very different from what I was expecting out of a rhythm game, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I liked the bits where there was a like deer it, it was, racing. It was like a very basic take on a rhythm game that like, like there's, there's a whole genre of like rhythm platformers. Like, you know, I like, I feel like this developer, I don't know to what degree they were like looking at prior art here and like taking inspiration, but it didn't feel like much to me. It felt like they were kind of like, like, you know, Oh, we can invent rhythm platforming and like, but they never looked at something like muse dash or something, right? Like, I mean, this just felt like a way to like make the euphoria of like, finally I've hit a pace on my hike or I'm like, I'm running and I'm having fun and and like heighten it. Like it didn't feel like it was a rhythm game in itself. It just felt like a heightened movement mechanic. I was surprised how little of it there was in this, given that it was sort of like, you know, the game is called a a huge part of the trailers. Yeah. Like it's the title is such and such song and the trail it's all over the trailers, the, the like music rhythm game aspect. And honestly, like I play this game, I would have to double check my steam clock 
probably more than five hours. Really? And, wow. Yeah. And maybe maybe somewhere between three and five. Like, don't quote me. I, I think I'd have to double check. But certainly more than three hours. Less, somewhat less than five, but I think closer to five. And I only think I, I actually did that running, jumping mechanic four or maybe five times. Like, less than once an hour for me. Like, way less than I was expecting to do it in this game. Well, and you spent the about, rest of that hour falling in a very hole. short. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I yeah. think that it's paced that it, it's between peaks. So, like, it, it should, like, if you are moving, if you are stuck really? on a mountain. You think it, there was one between every peak or? Cause, well, if, if you're not, like, crawling through a cave or out a mountain, uh, there, were, there were mostly between peaks or right before. Like, they were big movements. Like, they're they're designed to, like cover flatland. So a lot of the times it was between peaks or like between major set pieces. Okay. Like you finished know, it, it and then you were in a new spot. If that that makes sense, but that doesn't that wasn't sort of how it felt for me. I don't know whether it was just because I was running into every roadblock, but it just mm-hmm. it felt so random to me. Like it'd be like things like I would go across this like cool like oh yes, I'm gonna run at full speed. I'm gonna do the whole like rhythm jumping thing, chasing the deer, playing the song, etc. And I would get to the other side because it's always like left to right or right to left. Mm-hmm. I'd get to the other side of the planes or whatever and realize, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. Or at least I don't think I'm supposed to be here. There's nothing to do here. How do, what do I am supposed to do? And then I would just do it again to get back. It just sort of felt like. Oh, really? I've never. Yeah. I always I, I always saw those as forward progress. Like I always was like, oh, I've hit a shift i've hit a musical interlude i must be doing something right like that's I, every time i thought that's what the, that's what it always felt like i was doing something right but then i'd get to the end of it and i was like oh this is i mean maybe i just didn't know i'd done something right but like yeah there were at least two, two times in this game where i like did the thing and realized oh well better do it again and go back you know and that was like wow, i didn't even know you could do them in reverse i just yeah you can. It plays the same song. It, uh, <laughs> just I just kept going the direction it was pointing me in every it's, time. It says kill your parents if you play it backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now realizing like how but how frustrating this is because I'm like you're they're like you're backtracking, you're dying, you're like I feel like we could go wrong for somebody in this game did to me, it seems. No, and I I just feel like it um there's some discoverability stuff of like Yeah. It it shouldn't I think even though I really I had a good time with this game, I think the discoverability, the fact that it feels like chance that I had a great game. Like the more we're talking, the more it feels like chance that I had a really good experience. I um, yeah, I don't know. I'm hoping they can protect like, but it doesn't sound like that different of a change. Like telegraphing stuff more. Like yeah, that, like it, it doesn't sound like it's. I think if there had been a screen at the beginning of this game that said, here's how you play a Highland song. Look for the posts. When you see a post, you can probably go to the next ridge line. Look for the look for objects. Your objects will will give you, uh, you know, uh, elements of stories that will build to a larger story on each peak. Like, I know that's dumb, right? I know you don't need my uncle once told me about all the posts. (laughs) But but if but putting a signpost early in the game where she goes a signpost these mark bridges or something yeah literally you, yes like yeah. if they done if they done like so is it like a little more of that early on maybe I would have had more forward momentum mm-hmm. um, especially early in the game when I was really spinning my wheels um, I did at one point get lost in a cavern and I was like I don't want to 
find my way out of this. And I just around four minutes before I went into that cavern and just went up instead. Oh man, the caverns, man. There was a bit, there was a bit in this where like, I was like, I didn't know this was a horror game. I'm like on my belly crawling through like a tiny tight <laughs> cavern. And, and more is like, is that blood? <laughs> and I'm like, what? Nope, wow. nope, nope, nope. I didn't like, get that. You didn't get into the blood cave. It was all over the place, man. There the eaten a by cave. a Gru ending. I, I I almost I, got the eaten by a Gru ending. I did not go to a blood cave. Although I was seriously trying to piece together the um all the 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 secret notes between the couple. Um, oh, I don't think I got any of that. Or maybe I got one. I saw I saw some notes that I was. There, I thought were pretty mysterious. Maybe I like did get meet one me in the bl- like meet me here. I got like four or five of those by the end of the game. And oh, I, was- I think I got one of those. It didn't. I, I just yeah. thought it was sort of like one of the other maps. Um, well, you, you can um, keep getting those and get more about their relationship, um, huh. which may or may not involve the ending. Okay, I wonder. We should probably do a a spoiler break. I I will guarantee you, like this is an Inkle game. I'm gonna probably play this again in a year. And love it because I don't I'm think sure... maybe I'm like maybe you shouldn't do that, Reagan. <laughs> like, well, I don't maybe know. You're like, gonna have I think trauma. now with the well with the you know, with, I, it, it's with not hindsight. a tight story. Right again, it's a loose story, but it's got a lot of like vibing with the environment and hearing some stories about the Scottish Highlands, and then like bits of lore drop. Yeah. So and can I just say one other thing? Like on on the on the topic of the story, and maybe you guys will feel differently about this. Like. Because this was such a like this is this is the most 80 days game that they've done since 80 days. I was mm-hmm. constantly comparing its approach to story to 80 days. And, you know, years after the fact, what stands out to me about 80 days was the unique world building of it, the unique like this was a uh, it was a twist on a world that was like it was like an anti-colonialist take on a whole genre of adventure fiction, right? And that was something that was like kind of earth shattering at the time. It was like, it felt really fresh. Even today, it feels really fresh. The whole vibe of, of 80 days. And this feels much more rooted in like traditional storytelling of the Scottish Highlands. And it didn't seem like it was, I mean, I'm sure there's things that are like the unique twist of the specific authors in this case. I don't know enough about the story of the the Scottish high, the stories of the Scottish Highlands to know what is twist and unique individual take and what is just like straight uh mythology or inspired straight by mythology, right? But this just to me just sort of felt like very much of its you know of the Scottish Highlands specifically and rooted in that place and not like a twist with something to say. Yes. Maybe it's because I missed it. No, I, I don't. Like, I, I, it is straightforward. Yeah, and it's and and that I think is a weakness here. It's 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 so straightforward that like if you're not deeply interested in and like I'm I'm okay. I'm, I'm you know, listen up, Scotland. Reagan doesn't like your world building. <laughs> <laughs> True, like it's freaking Scotland. It's it's like it's Scotland, man. It's. It's like it's a bunch of white people in hills. Like, come on, there was a battle. White people killed other white people six hundred years ago, and they've been resenting each other ever since on the same hills. And like, blah blah blah. Like, it's just it was it was like so much less engaging on a story level, even when it was able to tell me a story. 
than something like 80 days. And like, I know it's not fair to compare it to 80 days, which is, I think, one of the greatest narrative things we've ever talked about on the show, maybe one of the greatest narrative games of all time. But like, it's hard not to compare it when it is doing the same structure from the same developers. I know they there have been changes in personnel. I know uh, Magna Janth has, has moved on from Inkle and is no longer working there. I, I don't know who the I don't know that as uh, that much about the the team that's, that specifically made a Highland song. Apart from that, they're all part of this developer that I love. But it was just really uninspiring to me from a storytelling perspective. Apart from just all of the other issues that I had. So I I will say that um, for listeners who are still like who who, who wins <laughs> good time or bad time oh, um, sorry, I will yes no no uh, again you're you're I know, like I know. I, totally I valid we, I, just, I, I do feel weird when I like really hate a game and then talk about we don't it normally it's not what I do well we, listeners know, we don't have a lot of practice aliens. covering because if everybody bounces off a game we usually just skip it and this was different because I was like I yeah. thought it was a nice chill time so we thought this would be an interesting and, and it's hard debate. to not talk about the next game from Inkle on this program right like True. I mean you covered that um time loopy game from Annapurna that everyone that I 12 minutes. This is, I will say better game than 12 minutes. (laughs) Um, So, so on their site, when they're listing stuff about the game, they put it's platforming, survival, navigation, and then narrative. And I think, and then rhythm runs. And I think that is a bit of the ranked um, priority in this game. Platforming, survival, and navigation Mm -hmm. are bigger parts of the game than the narrative. I think our listeners are really well informed at this point and they, they will at this point in the podcast have a very good idea whether they are uh, like Laura who, you know, enjoyed the narrative and I think uh, was uh, actually good at the game. Yeah. It's fine. (laughs) Or yeah. Or if you're going to (laughs) be or notorious shit at games, old man, Reagan. Well, it's it's not really just that. Normally I'm the challenger who's like, Laura can't shoot guns. I can't shoot guns. Uh, Other listeners might share in Reagan's uh, hatred of the scotch. Uh, consider them to be a race of kilt-wearing, knobby kneed <laughs> pale We're gonna get people with terrible highland, terrible, <laughs> terrible vistas that no one would want to explore or get lost Those in. Those ginger degenerates crawling around on their filthy hills. By okay, the way, this game apparently stop. has a hundred map fragments in it. What? Yeah. What? There's a hundred different map fragments in this game. That is impossible. I think I saw less than 15. Maybe 20. Max. <laughs> It's his 80 days style where like, I'm sure oh, there's just man. a million. I mean, I knew it was going to be like, yeah, I knew this was one of those like goes wide kind of things. But, yeah. And, and 80 days. Yeah, that's true. 80 days had just like an unbelievable spread of, of potential routes and whatnot. But that, yeah, a hundred. I am surprised at that number. I'm very surprised. I know there is a kind of a big branching, like there's a, a really big branch right at the beginning of the game where you're sort of mm-hmm. like, which way do I go around the loch, right? And it's like almost sort of like <laughs> yes, you're going to get two totally stop. different versions of the game based on which which side of the loch do you go on. <laughs> um, yeah. But like, yeah, I don't know. It's a lot of branches. Yeah. Uh, the way they describe it is um, what you will find will depend on where you go. The narrative is not branching, but weaving a mesh of history, mythology, and family secrets depending on where you go. 
Okay. See, ev- this this podcast has left me much more interested in finishing the game uh, than when I started. <laughs> Not only because Reagan didn't like it. Oh, and if, if but, listeners, we played the early game. If you figure hmm. out after you turn on the ski lift how to get on the ski lift, I, I was like, peace, cannot figure out how to get on this chair by... Um, because I could not find the entrance to the ski lift and I just decided to run away because I was done. Um, so if you'll figure out how to get on the ski lift, tell me. Mm. Yeah, Reagan's like, what ski lift? There's a ski lift? <laughs> yeah. Uh, at Eagle's Nest, you can go turn on the ski lift. Oh, I saw that in the distance. I don't think I ever got there. Yeah. yeah. So we'll um, we'll do a quick spoiler break at the very end. We're going to do some what's making us happy. I know we're getting a little long on the episode here, but I think we we need a little bit of that vibe for uh, to to close this out. That's a shift. So we'll do a little bit of of uh, what's making us happy. We will do a little bit of spoiler break at the end, just to you know, for folks who might be interested in sticking around for that. I did not get to the end of this game for all the reasons stated. Um, I, I barely got past the uh, the infernal. Um, uh, you know, uh, damn. Um, but uh, I know Laura did did reach the ending, unending. Um, mm-hmm. Managed to get to the lighthouse by belt. Yes, even, seven p.m. I was still sitting with me thumb up me arse uh, on on Beltane. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but uh, I would love to hear what happened to you in, at at the ending. I because I probably won't play this for a while. Um, so yeah, stick around for that if you'd like. That seems but before healthy. We do, uh, here's here's some well, uh, what's making us happy this week, um, Laura? What's making you happy this week, apart from just demolishing me at the highly competitive game of a Highland song? I not a highly competitive one, and um, I, I will say that I am in DC right now for work, and I went out with a friend to a southern bar, and they had milk punch on the menu, which I have not had in a long time. Milk punch is normally a brandy cocktail, but this one was made with bourbon and rum, and it's like a, uh, it is a very, very old cocktail, like I think almost like 1700s. Like it's a, it's like Ben Franklin mentioned it. So of course they're serving it in DC, but um, eggnog's a type of milk punch. Um, but if you have a nice fancy cocktail bar version, it's going to be exponentially nicer. Um, it's lovely. Uh, it's like um, not too sweet, not too boozy. There's a lot of hidden booze in it. Um, but I'm going to say that drinking old cocktails in a old, old bar in DC is making me very happy. And I'm super psyched to have the milk punch. Maybe I'll have another one later in the week if work goes well. I absolutely adore that. Uh, I have I have looked at recipes for those and just kind of eyed them uh, with my They seem home difficult to bar. make because you have to like carefully mix mm-hmm. the ingredients in a way that the milk goes with it but it, it, yeah. it this was almost clear like it was super yeah. clarified mm. and it was beautiful yeah there's a whole really process where they like based cocktail mm-hmm. it's a clarified milk punch. exactly so you, like you, they strain out the milk solids and exactly. they just leave you with all the like the creaminess of milk but it, it's it, it's completely clear it is it is magic it's very it, strange stuff if somehow it was the cheapest cocktail on, on the menu and i was like this is hard to make. I guess they must make it in large batches. Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, you know, and I you compare it to a nog. I love an eggnog, and I am uh, I try to limit myself to only guzzling eggnog once a year, and uh, it's coming. That's what I'm. I'm part, partially excited about that. 
Man, I love an eggnog. If you want to do a clarified one, just for funsies, <laughs> and spend another like year on it, um, I, I like a milk watch spirit, and I will not deal with it at my house. So, yeah, I haven't made any good cocktails lately. I need I need to go on a on a, mm-hmm. a, a liquor store run and like restock my bar because. Every Do now it and, before like, I come visit you. Oh, I will. Good point. Yeah, my my uh, my liquor store, my liquor uh, cabinet tends to sort of like dwindle and dwindle until I like finally am like making cocktails out of like, you know, Kahlua and like salt water or something. You know, I'm like really scraping the bottom of the barrel right now. <laughs> and, and for non-drinkers, I'll also say I've been enjoying London Fogs, which are basically like Earl Grey with m- vanilla m- milk. Um, they're lovely. That's my decaf drink of choice in the afternoon. That's been a a London fog. I Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever made a London fog. I'll add it to my list. Um, I have a much less cultured uh, what's making me happy this week, but I'll just, I'll just bring it up. I've actually literally talked about this exact thing on the podcast before, but I think it's been long enough. Uh, I recently uh, caught up on a manga that I love, 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 and I will recommend it to everyone. Uh, and that is uh, A Bride's Story by uh, Kaoru Mori. Uh, a Bride's Story is a uh, a manga. So I think she's, I think Mori is one of the best comics artists working today. And uh, you should absolutely seek these out and try to check them out. Uh, to explain, they are a, uh, they are a, uh, I'm going to try to do this without referencing the Wikipedia. So if I get a detail about the, the like specific historical time period wrong, please forgive me. This is a series of, uh, of, this is a manga series that's set, um, in the sort of Silk Road era. Uh, it's set in Central Asia in what would be modern day Uzbekistan, I think, and the area surrounding it. Um, and it's, uh, it, but it's also like mostly, about it's mostly sort of a slice of life kind of thing. The 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 overall premise, begin the beginning of the manga at least. It, it goes pretty broad after this, but the beginning of the manga is about a. Uh, this is a, a period when there were both. There was a, a sort of a, a sort of a tension between uh, the people who lived in towns and settlements and the the people who were sort of the nomadic you know horse clans of the steppe, right? And the beginning of the story is about. A, an arranged marriage between a uh, an older woman, she's 20, from a horse clan and a young man, he's literally 12, from the towns. And there is a sort of a political advantage or what have you in, in this, this marriage. They get married um, and it's the, uh, the, you know, them getting to know each other. Um, but it becomes this sort of like, at first, it seems to just sort of become this like little like fish out of water, um, you know, domestic uh, story about this you know, woman who can shoot a bow and ride a horse and all these, you know, amazing things integrating into this settled town and the family there. Um, but you know, it, it, as the story slowly progresses, it just introduces lots and lots of characters. You know, there's a, a European man who's exploring the area, just sort of like writing about the, uh, the sort of a, what you'd call like a, uh, what do you call him? He, he sort of a naturalist, I guess, but he's sort of mostly just documenting the culture there. Hmm. Um, lots of different, lots of weddings, lots of marriages, lots of just sort of quiet domestic stories. Uh, all in the background is the threat 
of the Russians invading because this is a period where uh, Russia was looking for ports that didn't thaw in the winter and was in you know coming farther and farther into this area with their armies. So it's it's a it's actually kind of interesting and dramatic stories despite being like the sort of prototypical like uh, you know slow. Uh, slice of life manga where they'll take like an entire chapter to show like somebody's you know three-year-old cousin wandering off to meet the local uh wood carver who shows him how to carve wood for five pages and then spends the following three pages of him showing off his crappy wood carving that he made to all of his aunts and uncles like that's a whole chapter of this right um so like all of these sort of different levels, lots of different characters. It's been going for quite a lot of volumes now. I think I think the most recent volume was volume 12. It comes out pretty slowly, um, mostly because the art is ungodly detailed. This is a period mm. where everybody's main occupation was doing embroidery, and they just embroidered the shit out of everything they had. And um, uh, Mori just spends an un unreal amount of time illustrating every stitch in every embroidered garment and tent flap and cushion that everyone in this is series has. So all that is to say, like, even if you don't read manga, I think a bride story is one of the best pieces of comic art ever made. I think it's incredible. And you should go and check and see if you can get it from your public library um, or just, you know, just buy it if you want, man. Like it's, it's great. It's one of the the best things that I just, I just love it. Um, and if you're worried about a story about a 12 year old and a 20 year old getting married, potentially being gross, it's, it's mostly not, don't worry. It's not <laughs> gross. Um, it's, it's really good. So, um, I would strongly recommend people check out the, 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 the book. It's great. And there've been like 12 volumes now. And uh, every time I, I like, I like to forget that it exists for like six to 12 months and then go and mm. catch up. That's the ideal way to interact with this. So go check it out. Uh, Shane, what's making you happy this week? Well, I was really enjoying um, a, a game I tried to get us to play for the podcast, but I think the, uh, um, I, I don't know if we're ever going to actually do it. So uh, I'll go ahead and just make it a, what's making me happy. Um, and that is uh, Super Moira Brothers Wonder. Um, <laughs> it's a callback. The the game came out, I want to say, a couple of months ago now, as we've had a little time with it. And the the discourse around that game originally was kind of like, hey, this is amazing. It's a new 2D Mario game. It's been like my whole lifetime. We haven't had one. I've wanted a, wanted another one of these. Um, and on top of that, it's visually fantastic. You know, it, it is um, a huge improvement over the the kinds of 2D Mario that we were getting on on some recent consoles, mostly handhelds, um, especially con- because the, uh, you know, it matches the original art beautifully for for uh, for Moira and it has, uh, you know, and all the and Toad and Toadette and. Yoshi and all the gang. Um, the the thing that, that I think I heard the most in reviews was like, hey, this game's kind of easy, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, my experience playing with playing the game, 
um, is great because it's not at all easy because I'm playing it with a six-year-old who is still struggling with the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they've done some really clever uh, things with accessibility for the game. Like they they added in Yoshi as a playable character and also the inexplicable inexplicable creature Nabbit is in the game. Um, but when you have someone who can play as Yoshi, um, Mario can still ride on Yoshi. Yoshi has a little bit of extra jump, but also they've made Yoshi and Nabbit um, immune to enemy damage. Basically, they don't die from enemy damage. So it's that perfect like little brother player character that uh, you get with like tails in platformers. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they've made it pretty friendly to um, you know, dying and stuff, you turn into a little ghost and you can fly back to your co-op partner and respawn. So I'm, I'm honestly just really, really loving the game. It's, it's beautiful. It's fun. Uh, it's super inventive. The wonder flower thing. I don't, I, neither of you guys have played this game yet, right? No. Okay. Not so yet. there's, do you know that there's this concept of these wonder flowers? That's the main hook for the new game. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically somewhere kind of hidden in the level somewhere will be a glowing flower. And when you get it, it changes the level up in some creative way. And every single one of them, almost every single one of them is different or, you know, a variation. Um, so things like all of a sudden the piranha plants start singing in a chorus or, um, the game goes slow-mo or super fast or, um, you know, the gravity flips, uh, and now it's a top down game. It's all kinds of weird little moments to, to get the kind of extra bonus from this. So I love that exploration and secrets. That's, that's kind of core to really 2d platformers to me. And, mm-hmm. um, this is the, it is a little bit easy in that, like by having the flower in every level and that, that leading you to, the secret, like you get one reward seed for finishing the level, and then you get another one for finishing the for finding the wonder flower and like doing some uh, usually pretty straightforward, uh, you know, challenge uh, from that. So, it, my my I guess my my overall takeaway is like this is a a game that I don't know what it's really like to play it solo, um, mm. but. I am playing a lot of it three player couch co-op and there's not a whole lot of um, like Mario style platformers, let alone actual Mario platformers that play well with the entire family sitting in front of the TV, like three player. So um, for that experience alone, I've got to, I've got to recommend it. That's making me really happy. Uh, My son is absolutely loving being Yoshi. Like he started off being Luigi because he loves being Luigi in most of these things. But uh, once he realized Yoshi couldn't die and he could carry me around instead of me uh, literally picking him up and carrying him through the entire game like I did mm-hmm. with uh, Super Mario 3D World. Um, you know, now he's he's really into it. So um, I, have, I have a couple of questions about I, this because I, 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 I've thought about playing it in the same way. Like I'm currently playing some Mario Kart with my kids and. But I know that so I, I was aware that like you, you, the kind of little brother character, the like, you know, the, the unkillable characters are Yoshi and Nabbit. And that from what I've read, you can't do that with Princess Peach. Right. My daughter is not going to want to play a game where she can't be a Princess Peach. Um, so 
is it right like you can't there's no way to get like invulnerable princess peach or anything like that uh the version of invulnerable princess peach that you would have is uh her playing with you because the game becomes very hard to like fully lose when you are playing with an adult who's not jumping down every pit gotcha okay and uh other important question can you pick the color of the yoshi because you actually can wants to play as blue Yoshi. The, yes, my son also uh, is a blue Yoshi enjoyer. So, um, yes, you can choose the color of the Yoshi. Whew. OK, yeah, this is one I'm looking forward to. I am I am not allowed to buy this. I mean, I can, but I'm not mm-hmm. supposed to buy it until I play more Tears of the Kingdom, which I abandoned to play a game for the short game. So mm-hmm. uh, very fair. The curse of the podcast. Did I tell uh, you all I finished Tears of the Kingdom? No, congratulations. No. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Great ending. Uh, it, was a, it was a little while ago. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I realized it was, um, I was like, hmm, I, I, I probably have enough uh, weapons and healing items to like brute force my way through uh, Ganondorf. And uh, sure enough. But yeah, great ending. He, really cinematic, fantastic sequence. Um, I love a... This is a spoilers here for the end of Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I I love a um, a boss fight against a character who just sort of turns around and uses your own moves against you, mm-hmm. right? And that's kind of the first big fight with Ganondorf. Is first off, he's like, you know, he's basically using Link's move set with a, a variety of weapons and doing the flurry rush against you. I think the only enemy that does that, um, and that is fantastic. He's a very tough as nails boss i went in with like a absolutely full inventory full of uh like healing items and buffing i, I had link was eating a three course meal every 15 seconds in this fight <laughs> and um and then on top of that there's this incredible sky sequence uh with uh ganondorf having turned into a evil darkness dragon and uh, the light dragon, um, who, you know, further spoilers, is Zelda. And you're riding through the sky. Like, uh, yeah, it's that part of the boss fight is not like crazy hard. But it is one of the coolest things that you've seen on a Nintendo Switch game. So uh, really fantastic. Uh, I, I get I, the ending of that game was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, my, my argument for buying Super Mario Wonder, even though I haven't finished and I'm not near finishing Tears of the Kingdom, is that I that's a snack of novelty, like a hit mm-hmm. of energy and novelty, and it's short and I can just get a a thing that I will have never seen before at every level. And I was like, cool, but maybe finish the game you're playing. Which is um as everybody who It's kind of a motto for our show, right? Yeah. <laughs> finish the game cool, you're playing. But finish the game you're playing. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Uh, I did put it on my Christmas list. So we'll see if it just magically appears in under the tree in a month. And and then I didn't buy it. Yeah. That's how Christmas works. <laughs> um, ask for the things you're not supposed to have. Or just buy something for yourself, wrap it, put it under the tree, and say Santa brought it. And if someone <laughs> says you why did you buy this for yourself you say you don't believe in the magic of christmas you monster santa yeah well uh 
I think now is a good time for us to uh, do a little outro, and then we'll take, do, we'll do like a like a little. It's going to be minute, tidy, folks. Yeah, we have three minute spoiler break, so uh, be prepared for this to be a very short one. Uh, but before we do our spoilers uh, for the for the end of Highland Song, thank you so much, listeners, for joining us on this episode of the Short Game. You can find our show on the internet at shortgame.fm. From there, you can find all of the various links and buttons to, uh, for example. Go review our show on the various podcast platforms to which you have access. That would be a great thing to do. Uh, or you can go to patreon.com slash the short game, also linked on shortgame.fm. And from there, you can support the show with your hard-earned currency. And uh, the, the lowest tier is just $3 a month. If you do $3 a month into the Patreon, then you'll get instant access to our Discord, as well as slightly early access to episodes, which I know not the hugest exciting advancement, but Hey, maybe you'd prefer to listen to your episodes on Saturdays instead of Mondays. We usually hit that. Give it a try. Uh, And you can, uh, of course, then in our Discord, chat with us about the games that you're playing. That's the greatest place to give us suggestions for games to cover on the show. Uh, It's also a great place for our listeners to give suggestions to each other. We got a really nice couple of channels in there where folks are suggesting games or talking about the games that they're playing. And if you like the kinds of games that we do, you probably will have a good time in the Discord talking about those kinds of games with other listeners of the show and us, of course. Uh, So we really value that community. It's a big help and a big part of how we produce the podcast now. So we'd really love to have you there. Uh, Again, shortgame.fm or patreon.com slash the short game. And you can find me on the internet at Reagan, R-A-Y-G-A-N dot me, which has links to all of my various socials, including Mastodon. I'm Reagan at uh, bird.rodeo. Laura, where can people find you? And you can find me, Laura J. Nash, at bird.rodeo. I'm also on Blue Sky. And Shane, where can people find you? You can find me at Shane at bird.rodeo on uh, the Mastodon. And uh, here it is, listeners, your spoiler break. Laura, we're already running long. We'll just make it real quick. But I really want to hear about the end of the game. Yes. Laura, will you tell me what I missed? So uh, I don't know how much of the story about her family you got. Not a ton. So tell me what you got. uh, Not going to miss the mom, not connected to the mom, no real relationship with the mom. Does have feelings for her brother. You know, he's a little toad, but he's my little toad. Um, As you're going through, you're finding um, these kind of maps and things that are like clearly from a couple you find like more written on stuff like you you go to a cottage and you're like wait was this the cottage i was born in like you're you're finding all this weird stuff on the way like the closer you get to the sea the more artifacts of you you're finding um you get to the cottage your uncle's like um and you're also getting more mythology about like hamish is he crazy he keeps talking about selkies like he he believes in all of this lore like Hamish really believes like the lore is real. So you get to the cottage and Hamish is like, oh, well, in my case, you arrive at 7 p.m. And he's like, you almost missed it. <laughs> um, uh. But I didn't. Um, and you um, go out and he's like, "She's." you see her out there. And there's a bunch of seals. And they look kind of goofy. I will say the seals look goofy. Mm-hmm. And she's like, one of them's looking at you. Um she knows you're here, go down to see her. And you're like, why would I go see a seal? And he's like, it's your your mother, a selkie. 
And oh, like your real mom? So the, who is the mom that you left Yeah, behind? so you're like, wait, what? My real mom? And she's like, yeah, you're just selkie. Like she's – that's why you, you've been raised. And you're like, wait. And then and then based on the stuff – again, I had seen stuff on the trip. So I was like, wait, are you my dad? Mm. And he's like, yes. Um, and then you can choose to dive into the water and join your mother at the end of the game. If you want, or you can stay up. I mean, I, I guess you could stay at the cabin. I chose to dive in. The diving animation is also a little goofy. I will say <laughs> I was in for the story, but the animations were a little like, I'm going to go dive in after the seal. <laughs> like, a little silly. Um, but I had seen enough stuff on the trip for me to be like, yes, this ending makes sense. But I could super see a situation. I'm wondering if the ending is the same for everybody if you get through my Beltane. Because I could super see a situation where you show up and you're like, I never heard about Selkies. I didn't see any of this stuff about me being bored in a cabin by to a woman who wasn't you. Um, I didn't hear the weird stuff about a woman and you, like, in Moira. Like, if you hadn't heard all that stuff, which I think was generated by stuff or, like, cabins or places I found, hmm. I don't know if that is true for everybody. Because it would be really weird if you showed up at the cabin and was like, your mom's a selkie, I'm your dad. And you're like, cool, two discoveries. I, <laughs> so I'm kind of I'm curious Makes sense about, to me. Yeah, I'm very curious about what's going to happen if I continue my game and get – because I'm way – I've blown way past Beltane. She might, it might be like she missed her. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if they're going to keep the selkie ending for everybody or if that was just because I had seen a bunch of selkie stuff on the way. <laughs> I, mean, could, I don't know how good it, of an ending it'll be if you roll up to the thing. Well, you missed your mom. She was a selkie. What? Yeah. Sorry, missed it. Yep, I'm, I'm your dad. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> you want to go inside? <laughs> I, what accent is that? That is definitely not Scottish. No. Um, it's, well, I don't know. Maybe it's I'll late. <laughs> maybe I'll take some time and and see if I can slug on through. I I, I am curious. Again, about what if you aren't doing there. it, just take a long break. I don't slug I, on. I don't slug I'm, on through. Enjoy, you know, try, enjoy try it again, again later. In a year. Yeah. yeah. I'll come back to it. Go watch Song of the Sea for your uh, for yourself. I was just thinking. This is mm -hmm. yeah. This is very uh, on the yeah. I loved Song of the Sea. Great story about selkies. Great animation. Like, yeah, sure. I was kind of expecting some selkie stuff with this, given that, you know, the, the place it's located and the, uh, like, yeah. Selkies anyway. are kind of a weird-ass piece of mythology, right? Yeah. Seal women? You steal their skins and you get to keep them. It's a weird story. On that note. By some, yeah, some lonely men who, uh... Yeah. All right. Well, time to go. Listen, listeners, thank you once again for joining us on this episode of Shark Game. Uh, <laughs> love, love an outro like that. Please, please keep it's that been a real one. for every outro. It's been a real one. Thank you. Um, and uh, thank you, listeners, once again for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.